0: Hello and welcome to Space Chats. I'm Adam Hemming, the director of the Space Theatre, and I'm on Zoom with playwright John Berry, whose play Happenings is being produced at the Space by Not Your Muse Theatre Company. Hi, John, how are you? I'm very well, Adam. Great. Well, thanks for joining me today. Uh, Before we get into Happenings, I wanted to ask, uh, I wanted to find out a bit more about you. What's your sort of background? Where did you grow up? What was your first theatrical experience?
1: Wow. Um, Well, I've up in brighton so Brighton boy born and bred and then moved back to london for for a period of time and so i went to college in lewis just outside of brighton and started on their um it was a gmvq so performing arts gmvq and fell in love with acting and then i a really inspirational teacher said why don't you sort of audition for drama school so went off to drama school came back and then moved to london to do the whole kind of jobbing act a bit and you know work dried up and I thought about making my own work and and then directing and writing sort of came into my life in a big way and it was at that point where I really sort of decided to sort of take a leap of faith so decided to move over to New York for a bit and retrain as a director and it was over there that we were sort of being thrown bits of work and bits of writing that I that I was looking at, and I and I sort of fell in love with, and I thought, you know what, I could do, I could do some of this. So I started writing there really, and then after that, coming back from New York, and then still taking on the odd acting job here and there, still wanting sort of projects to to work on and have a space to be able to support other actors and other artists uh, without it costing an arm and a leg. So we decided as a family to open up a space in Eastbourne. And that's where Printer's Playhouse was born in born, Yeah,
0: <laughs> amazing stuff. Um, so you, you have a family-run theatre space,
1: then? We do. Yeah, um, yeah. We basically said uh, my my dad at what I want to say like ten years ago. He he had this um, idea, this sort of madcap idea of a 3 floored space in the centre of Leeds, of all places, and he. Wrote up a business plan and he got some backing from Heineken to support a live music venue, and that when that fell through, uh, due to the other business partners not having the same sort of shared sort of ideal, uh, I I grabbed it and I said, "Look, let's do this down south." We've got a team of people down here with my sister uh, Viv Berry, who is also sort of co-owner of Printers, um, and between the three of us, we've we've made this sort of business plan come to life and. The three-story thing happened for a year in an old building that was knackered and we tried to sort of renovate. And then that year was a really lovely learning curve. It was the kind of the physical market research that we needed to do to realize this is what Eastbourne needs. We listened to the people around us to be able to grow. And now, so we've moved around the corner to a far smaller venue. However, we feel like our offering now is sort of just right.
0: Excellent. That sounds like a brilliant venture. Um, I'm a big fan of Brighton. I, uh, I, I grew up in St Albans, so right. it was quite easy for us to just get the train down yeah. um, to Brighton for a, for a day a day out by the by the sea.
1: Lovely to visit. Really lovely place to visit. Spend all day and then get on the train to lovely, quiet Eastbourne, where you can leave the madness behind.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've definitely had some adventures. I have, I, 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 there was a stag do in Brighton um, one night. Me and a couple of friends just decided randomly to drive down in the middle of the night. And I also met Ben Volpierre from Curiosity Killed the Cat. Oh,
1: fantastic! <laughs>
0: you, <Brian. laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Just bump into him in the street. Yeah, what's <laughs> that a kind of place? Yeah, <laughs> brilliant memories. It's fantastic uh, for stag do's. I always say to friends who who ask me, "Where's good to go?" And there is, it's sort of a little bit unknown, a little bit sort of back streets. But there's a place called Casablancas, and it has a and it has a live music venue underneath called the Jazz Rooms, and that is the place to go. It's fantastic. <laughs>
0: Um, it was a while ago, so I have no idea where we, yeah. were, um, <laughs> we were there. But, Probably uh, bleary-eyed,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> some good memories. Mm. So so yeah, tell tell me about your, your writing then, your, either stuff that you've written or your writing process, kind of what's the starting point for you?
1: Just chatting to you just briefly before we started this, um, the, the writing process for Happenings really did start with um, walking into the Towner Gallery and seeing this piece of art. And it's, um, it's of a lady peering over the edge of the cliff at Beachy Head. And that hit me as a, uh, as a sort of sign. I'm not, I'm not um, religious in any way, but it was this moment that I thought, you know, I'm looking for a project. And, and so that's where happening started. But my, as I say, my writing really started in New York with actors that were hungry to work on new writing. And for them, the, the group of people that I was working with, I worked with a fantastic director called Alexei Barago, who runs the Russian Arts Theatre Society. So the Rats. In the centre of New York, and they all meet up and they work till you know four o'clock in the morning on scenes that either are new writing or things like from classics, pieces from classics. And so, for me to be able to just throw these actors' work, scenes that I, uh, you know, I thought about, it really got me excited about putting together a full project. But I'm yeah neurodiverse, heavily dyslexic. I didn't have the first clue how to get started. You know, blank pieces of paper terrify me computers are the devil's work and i didn't know i i started to record things on my phone sort of just verbatim just you know a says double 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 da b replies double da and i through that process and being able to sort of just you know connect it to my computer and then it just typed it all out for me that was the beginning of my first script and then it was that you know the editing process obviously Get really excited about vomiting everything on the page, getting that first rubbish draft out and then the editing thing. And and that's the part of it that I thought thought I'd hate. I really did. I thought, oh, God, going over your work and just fine tuning it. And, you know, that's that's got to be that's got to be a nightmare. And and it was actually the part of it that I really started to love, you know, rereading work and getting those characters to a place where I always thought, God, this would be fun to play. So writing parts that I hope actors would enjoy playing was sort of the main, that was the main ambition, I suppose. And through that, it was a case of then looking at uh, looking at the world around me and thinking, okay, if we have a space, if we are looking to promote new writing, I have to kind of put my money where my mouth is a little bit and start trying to capture some sort of zeitgeist, trying to get an idea of, you know, the work that I would be proud to essentially represent if people were looking back at this time and saying, you know, how did we feel about what was going on because so much is going on. And that became really exciting as sort of a, a, an activist rather than just an actor, you know, being political without being partisan and feeling that, that rather than just promoting myself or just trying to get successful and minted as an actor. Uh, I've always been interested in community work, so being able to offer something that hopefully other people can can, can use that became the main goal. So really, I've never called myself a writer. I, I steal other people's ideas. I, I I record so much stuff. I the, the not your muse crew will tell you, you know, a lot of the happenings script is literally their their life. Um, <laughs> so they they signed up to it. They have to take full responsibility. <laughs> you know I run it by people and I make sure that they're all okay with it but it isn't necessarily all coming from you know just my imagination it's I like to think that the process is far more collaborative uh essentially an organic process that if something feels wrong totally open to the to the discussion to change it um I've never dictated how a play should be and I've always found that that is for me in the rehearsal room it's sort of the nicest place to be when everyone's excited about being open to new ideas and pushing the envelope of what they felt they could do
0: amazing yeah that sounds sounds great stuff and I really love the idea of, of that sort of collaborative organic way of, of creating work and writing I think all writers steal bits and pieces from from everywhere and yeah and I just wondered whether you'd heard of Displer theatre company
1: I haven't but I'm putting it, I'm going to write it down on my list with my pink pen to make sure uh, that I
0: they're a company that do a lot of work with dyslexic and neurodiverse uh playwrights and story makers i've been to a couple of their uh showcases and readings and and bits and pieces like that and and been sort of in communication with them a lot over the years but they are um really really brilliant i think
1: i had a fantastic teacher at drama school david van if anyone remembers him A, a wonderful teacher and a wonderful mentor who sadly passed away a few years ago now but he helped me in line learning and the process of sort of understanding my difference just being different and it's and it's the strangest thing is through that it it started a whole new sort of process of working out what kind of techniques I needed and and, and even with my writing you know I started off writing a play that personally it was the first thing I'd ever written and it was the process of dealing with something very personal that happened in my life and so I thought well that's what you do you write about what you know and so you get through this play and you have a final draft and then you are looking for places to support you because surely they'd understand how important it is to you and they want the money straight up and then that terrifies you because you think well is it actually good enough for that i i need a place to support the dramaturg work and the workshopping and so so i stopped and i and i threw it in the bin and and it was only then when we were looking at work to to, to produce that i sort of took it out of the bin and said well, this is the play that's going to change the world <laughs> because it means so much to me and you do it and you produce it and um had a fantastic chat with actually with this is one of the tangents i'm going to go on <laughs> wonderful chat with a guy called philip ralph who wrote a play called deep cut and it was about the deep cut barracks and how that there had been institutional i suppose sexual abuse that had been going on for years but there was a specific case in cheryl james and how she, her, her death was being looked at. And this play discussed it. And he had done so much research and talked to the family and it became so important to him. He, he did the same thing. He said to me, because he, he just rang me up out of the blue when I was talking about potentially doing Deep Cut at Printer's Playhouse. And he said, piece of advice, John, remember your play is not going to change the world. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that stuck with me because it really is how I felt about theatre. And so re, sort of reworking out exactly how my brain was developing at that time, I was I was sort of able to accept, do you know what, if I have anything going for me, it's the fact that I look at the world differently. I've got a good friend of mine called Tim Marriott, who says, you know, I have a perverse way of seeing the world. And I thought it was an insult. But actually, I'd sort of relook at that and think, no, actually, it's it's a compliment in a weird way. It's sort of, it it makes me feel more confident about how I now look at writing plays I don't need to follow the rules I can look at it by saying it's going to be hopefully a representative piece of work of a group of people or a time and therefore that's good enough and not to think any sort of not have delusions of grandeur not to not to wind myself up with any any other bigger thoughts than than that it is what it is at the time and it will be good enough for that time um, as long as I can keep open-hearted about it I suppose
0: yeah, it's really inspiring to hear you talk like this, actually, John. I I think that um, you know when you're like writing a play is a process of creation, and you, you know, effectively, they, you know, you can treat it like your your baby and think. You know, we all think our kids are the the, the best. <laughs> yeah. so, so I can totally get you know where that where you're coming from with with that that sort of stuff. So tell us a bit about happenings. What's what's the play about?
1: So it's about three main characters who are in a sort of love triangle a really messed up love triangle where we have joe and jane who are in a relationship that has gone on too long let's put it that way and so the play starts after a massive fight they've they've drunk too much and they've said things they shouldn't have said and being as the play is sort of set in eastbourne i suppose we've 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 made it very clear that that's in the shadow of beachy head so the play is about beachy head she says in a drunken rant before the play starts, and and so the first scene is the is the hangover. It's the aftermath of this rant that she hates her life and she just wants to drive off beachy head, which really affects Joe because he just wants to talk about it. He but he doesn't have the words. So we basically talk about blokes not being able to talk, certain women in society freaking out because their lives haven't happened yet, and then we have lovely Fran who is just the third part of the triangle who is. Uh, representative of the woke within our society the the struggling mental health version of of joe but female and that she's watching this process she's there to support she should be there to be able to help these people that's that's her job she you know she's here she's a she's a giver and she finds herself in just as much darkness as the other characters and she and she's really upset about that but it's sort of a uh, i started to write a comedy. Uh, I really was interested in in trying to talk about mental health in a way that wasn't preachy, and uh, had discussions that we recognised, and it had relationships that we understood, and we laughed along because we were guilty and ashamed at how uh, how much of it we recognised, and and then through the process of writing it, I I had a I had a draft, and I gave it to my mate, and he read it, and I didn't have an ending yet. And we looked at each other. Um, his name's Orlando Brook, a fantastic actor in London, and he and he has done a bit of writing himself. And he said, "Well, you know where this has to go." And I sort of said, "Yeah, I do." And he's, and and both of us have suffered personal trauma with friends committing suicide, taking their own lives, and and it was the ending I was really scared of about writing. So without giving too much away, there is a there's a disclaimer in what I'm saying in that. You will be lulled along on the false sense of security. You will be laughing and recognizing these relationships. And then the play takes a turn because I felt it was the only real way we could do justice to this story in the way that I felt was right.
0: Great. Yeah. Fantastic stuff.
1: I haven't really told you anything about the play that's all just sort of very mysterious isn't it <laughs> <laughs> no you have
0: you have you me yeah. I, I think it's really interesting that you start we talk a lot when we're uh we do a lot of script development work at the space with our literary manager mike carter and we've commissioned some new writing over the recent years as well and quite a lot of the conversation comes around kind of where the play starts and and, and you know sometimes we're like well what happens if it starts at, Ten minutes into what you've written now and how would that change the dynamic of things um so i think it's really interesting that your play starts after a, a big sort of dramatic fight or moment uh in the in the lives of the characters
1: mm. i think it's one of the conversations that we're looking to have in the future where does the play miss that scene and it still is sort of unanswered you know it's for it's for audiences to tell us we We've, you know, I've I've written versions of it, and it's always hit the cutting room floor. It's there is this sort of let the action lead the narrative, which I'm really excited about. By and that, you know, not to give your characters too much retrospective. Um, she said, he said, and or, or they said, and I wanted it therefore to to sort of feel like actually, the play the the, the first piece of drama that we see in the play is a discussion about mental health. If it's a play that is about two people who have found themselves in a really dark place sort of due to no real fault of their own in their heads, you know, selfishly, they think, well, there's nothing wrong with me. Surely it's their fault. And they just throw shit at each other (laughs) from the very beginning of the play. Then that's what the other characters can react off. So if, if, if they weren't in that scene, the party scene or the hangover scene, you know, then they don't have anything to react. So, and the audience feel like, Oh, they've, They've been shown something that isn't particularly relevant to, to the night that we're showing. So, and I didn't want to do a flashback because I, I sort of try to avoid those, you know, the Scooby Doo moment, doo 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 you know. And I just wanted it to just be something's happening. We're, we're happening. The word that keeps popping up every two seconds when you talk about this play. Something's happening, and then something is reacted, and it, and so each scene finished on a bit of a kind of dum dum da da sort of EastEnders moment where. Something else was actually happening that they were having to react to and they were having to have these conversations about. But it was nothing that they planned. It was nothing that they'd scripted or had in their head as their bucket list of what to do. It was just their life. And and I suppose a party, I suppose something that uh, incorporated a, a load of props and a load of other extras and a load of other business for a small little studio space production. I, I thought, you know, Get rid of everything that's superfluous to the to the real crux of what what I wanted to be happening on that stage.
0: Amazing, and you wrote you wrote this. This I think the original performance was due to happen, but was a victim to the first lockdown. Is that right?
1: Yeah, we had an incredible situation where uh, I submitted it for a new writing competition, and when it and it when it was picked, the theatre said we'll have it, but we just don't know when. Because we then got a process of lockdowns and things that we just didn't know when to to, to press the green light on it. So when so I had actors, in, you know, on board and we were still rehearsing, but we were having to do everything, holding two meter sticks <laughs> with full PPE to make sure that everything was safe and the guidelines were being followed. So we had a version that had been blocked with COVID in mind, and bizarrely, because the play is about disconnect uh, disconnections, it worked. You know, we'd had. to we'd had a process where we rehearsed it you know very touchy feely you know actors getting involved with each other and lots of this and then we had a process where it was disconnected and we preferred the disconnected one <laughs> because we said that's what the plays about and so that worked and then we went back once we were allowed to do it without guidelines and we had already done two productions at the Grove Theatre in Eastbourne with the guidelines in place we were then offered the opportunity with the original theatre who who'd picked it for their festival to do it without guidelines and that's when the play really sort of took on a, a whole new life we we had the best of both worlds we knew what worked with the disconnect and we knew what what worked with the touchy-feely version and we wanted it then to represent essentially the cluttered brain of our sort of main characters and to be able to put everything on stage that is used in the play in a big mass sort of jumble sale pile of crap and then each scene we take off parts of props and parts of scenery and costumes that then spoiler alert the last scene is on beachy head we had by the end of the play a completely empty stage where uh, at the stables theatre in hastings uh, we had you know a lovely moment that was lit beautifully with dry ice and the actors just sitting over the edge of the of the cliff uh, representative of the brains of the characters that they were just empty or numb or they didn't know where they were or they you know they'd lost everything and this was where they were so really with Covid it gave us this unique opportunity to spend far longer working on a script than we'd ever worked on before to get excited by it and to see the sort of commitment of the people involved because everyone was so stubborn. We were thinking, Jesus, we spent so long on this. We're going to let, we're going to make sure it happens. And that's galvanized the group in such a wonderful way now that the team's fantastic. It's, it's been such a privilege to work with Not Your Muse They're They're such an exciting team of people and, and moving forward, I hope we work together on many, many, many more things.
0: Yeah. it's, It's great to hear that. Yeah. I think that there were lots of unexpected, um, silver linings to the very dark cloud that was COVID, um, creatively for for lots of reasons and it's great to hear how that uh how the play sort of developed as a result of all of that so how involved have you so the show's coming to London you've got a couple of nights at the Hope Theatre before you come to the space how involved have you been in the in the current production and, and what's going on
1: basically it got to a place where we'd finished a run at the old Red Line in in Islington and the people involved then said we want to take it on we want to keep touring we want to you know grow, you know, grow this piece because it's so fantastic. And at that time I had four other commitments. So I said, well, create a new company. You guys are going to work brilliantly together. Create a new company. Or I'm, I'm making out as if it was my idea. It was definitely their idea. They said, we're going to create a company and we're going to take it off your hands. So basically they bought the rights off me. Right. And and I said, well, at that, at that point, um, I wouldn't have anything to do with it. I would just be an audience member. I would still be a writer and taking notes. But after that year, I would then have far more to work off and that they could do anything with it and change it whatever way they they want. So I'm now in the process of getting very excited about the first show that I get to see, because it will be different and it will have actors that I haven't cast. Um, and because I was in the original production, I get to see someone else play Joe, which would be fab. Um, fantastic actor called Tom Hobart, who I've worked with before. And, and he actually was in my head about playing the part. Um, initially years ago and so it's great to have him on on board
0: fantastic great well I mean we're really looking forward to having the show coming to the space what's next for you are you working on anything else at the moment you said you've got uh, four projects for
1: fourteen thousand things yes so we are currently in development of a play called the Bangkok rules which is set in a prison for for women and it looks at the UN treaty where it was it was Something that was put together when they needed to basically have reform on what was going on. There were so many things wrong with with prisons that were specifically catering or or not catering for women's needs. So that's something that we're working on at the minute. We are also doing an adaptation of the film Scenes of a Sexual Nature with a huge cast of 16 people. So getting everyone in the room is exciting. And um, I'm also working with a fantastic uh, company called Bowler Crab on their summer Shakespeare. So that's Anthony and Cleopatra, and I'm playing Caesar in that as an actor, separate. And we also are bringing back a production of the play that I said would change the world. We've actually looked at it again uh, to try and change the world again.
0: And <laughs> um, where can people go if they want to find out more about what you're doing? Are you on the social media or is that something you avoid?
1: We are. We, uh, we are all over the social media. Yeah, Printers Playhouse uh, is on Facebook, Instagram we've just had our website newly done so that's fantastic we've just had an app made so you can even buy things <laughs> from the app um i'm i'm sort of dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st century of all this stuff because it terrifies me but apparently it's all great stuff and it's where the world's going so yes we are absolutely um advertising on every social media platform you could possibly imagine
0: yeah <laughs> excellent well i will i will find the link to your website and pop it in the uh, description of the podcast so that people Wonderful. can find. Thank that. you very much. Um, but yeah, happenings is performing at the space from the twelfth to the fourteenth of June two thousand and twenty-two, and we're also live streaming it, and you'll be able to watch it on demand for a couple of weeks after that. Uh, you can buy tickets and find links to all of uh, the space's social media accounts at space.org.uk, and you can follow Not Your Muse Theatre Company at NYM Theatre on Twitter or go to notyourmusetheatre.co.uk. John, it's been a huge pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank
1: you, Adam. I really appreciate chatting. It's been wonderful.
0: Great. We'll speak soon.